righty, welcome. Welcome to the show today. Today is February 28th, Sunday. Today we're going to be talking about football with two of my great friends at No Football. I'm going to be talking to Tim Harrington today and Cecil Lammy of 104.3 The Fan. Stay tuned, guys. It's going to be a good one. All right. How's it going? I am here today with Tim Harrington. Tim, how are you doing? Hey, Carlos. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. You you anxious to talk football? You crazy guy, you? Uh, you know me. I'll talk football any day, all the time. Absolutely. Give us a quick, like, 90-second, two, three-minute back. What is your background with football? Oh, it uh, it's pretty much been a lifetime thing, right? Uh, you and I are the same age. Uh, so pretty much 50 years now, and uh, I was a little kid. Holy cow. I was a little tiny kid, and I remember watching uh, my grandma was a huge Bronco fan, and so I used to move pillows on a carpet that she had, and so that's that's probably one of my first memories, actually, like four years old, uh, moving pillows so that she could track on those old boob tube TVs <laughs> which team was where and where they were at on the field, and I actually got to learn a lot about football at a very young age, and then obviously played, you know, Little League football, and middle school football and high school football and went on and played a uh, small college. And then I became a coach um, kind of as a part-time thing. So been a lifelong wow. fan of football and uh, played a lot of fantasy football, probably played fantasy football before fantasy football became a thing to most people. We actually started a, a, a league in my college what, days. What year was that? So that was like late 80s. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, it would have been like uh, 88. 88. Played a played in a fantasy league and so these were you know there was baseball was pretty big and they were rotisserie style leagues and so we started up a a football league and so anyways goes back a long time I remember playing with you (laughs) my fellow friend absolutely so me and Tim uh grew up together uh our our little uh fab four 74th uh me Tim Troy and Johnny that's just like a that's like one word to me dude and you know that much love because again, and this, I don't want to embarrass you, but, uh, Tim kind of like ran our neighborhood guys. <laughs> like, like Tim, Tim was like the, you know, you got that one kid, you got that one kid that, you know, is like, can jump the furthest or is the smartest or gets the first girlfriend. Uh, right? You're being gracious, Carlos. Right. the first wheelie on the bike and no, no, but you were, you were great at it. Like, like that's a good thing about leaders and like the leader of the group and stuff like that. Like we're not jumping off the roof unless you do. And you were the first one off the roof. So it's like, you know, you weren't that bully where you're like jump and then you'd laugh and not jump. Dude. We, we did some foolish stuff. <laughs> that's for sure. And I, I, I think I coaxed many, many of friends into uh, doing things that probably we shouldn't have, but uh, uh, maybe it's time to bring Cecil in here. Let's do that. We're going to call Cecil right now, really quick guys. And for over a decade, Cecil Lammy has been hosting shows and writing columns about the Broncos, NFL draft and fantasy football. Cecil loves having fun talking football and geeking out over Star Wars, which is what we have in common. Let's go ahead and give Cecil uh, a call right now and uh, see what he's up to. Here we go. Hey, Carlos. Hey, what's going on, Cecil? You're here with me and Tim. Tim, say hello. Hi, Cecil. Hello, Tim. Hello, Carlos. Great to be on with you guys. Awesome. So good to hear you, buddy. So we were just talking about Tim about like, you know, four or five minutes into his football background and from playing from peewee all the way to junior high to high school to college. He played, he did the whole route. He started at like four years old, played the whole time until you graduated CC. 
in Colorado. And that was basically. Yeah. And then, uh, always had a passion to get into coaching as well. So it eventually took me into coaching and primarily at the high school level for, I think I was 20 years in as a coach too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And Cecil, why don't you tell our listeners and uh, give us a back, uh, your, your background, like why football? What was the foundation of football that made this a lifelong commitment to you? Well, what's interesting is growing up in the country, uh, you know, we didn't have any sort of family vacation. Uh, I don't remember, of course, because it didn't exist, any sort of like memories of, hey, remember when we got in the car and went to Disneyland or whatever? Like you didn't do that because you're just working all the time taking care of cows, taking care of crops, taking care of horses, all those sorts of things. But it was very important on Sundays. My entire family is a working crew, and these are my grandparents. My grandmother's probably the biggest Broncos fan I'll ever know. Wow. Uh, but my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, all the family that lived on the farm, we would stop what we're doing on Sunday. We would go watch the Broncos as a family, and then we'd go back to work. So just having that emphasis and knowing – how important it was, again, specifically to my grandmother. She almost kind of called the shots in terms of like, it's time to watch the Broncos, everybody. And she loved John Elway and, you know, all, all those sorts of things. But it kind of emphasized to me, of course, falling in love with the game in the 80s. Walter Payton's my favorite player of all time. Tom Jackson is my second favorite player of all time. Yes. Like you, you just get to learn you know, how much fun this game is. Um, you know, my dad had his old high school football stories. My grandpa actually didn't like him playing football because it took him away from the ranch, and he grew up in Eagle and Gypsum. Actually, their ranch was where the Eagle Airport is now. So I was like, why couldn't we have kept that, <laughs> right? I'd, I'd be loaded right now. I'd right. be a zillionaire. But either way, so growing up on what we call the east coast of Colorado, on the Wyoming-Colorado border, around Grover, Colorado, just, um, you know, there's not much to do out there. You know, you're in the country, and again, this is in the 80s, so you grow up, you stop working, you go watch the Broncos, you get back to work. That was kind of our escape, if you will. That was our break. That was our family mm -hmm. time, really, that and holidays. So that's why football meant so much to me as a kid, um, you know, and grew up playing it. Uh, the first pair of laced shoes that I ever owned were my cleats in seventh grade. I had to learn how to tie my shoes in seventh grade because I'd always worn cowboy boots wow. and never had a pair of tennis shoes. So when seventh grade football came around, I had to learn how to tie my shoes, which sounds ridiculous. But again, I didn't, I didn't have shoes. I had boots. So, you know, football always been very, very important to me. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it started. And then of course started playing fantasy football in 1993 and, you know, since then, you know, turned into a quote-unquote fantasy football expert, although I don't know exactly <laughs> what that means. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it started at an early age. It's really important to me. It's always been important to my family. And, you know, it still obviously holds importance today because it's my job. That's, that's awesome. A, a couple quick questions. That's really cool. Um, what, what, what year did you graduate again then? Graduated in 1990. Okay, see, that's what Tim had asked me uh, if we were in the same age bracket, and we were, because me and Tim graduated in 87, so we would have went to the same high school. Uh, when, you mm -hmm. laid, when you laced up in seventh grade, uh, what position did you play? I was quarterback, yeah. And oh, no my, way. Uh, my coach at the time compared me to John Elway. Oh, dude. Because I could just run around. Now, the funny thing was is he'd get mad at me because I'd just improvise. I would either not run the play as called, or honestly, I'd forget what the hell the play was. <laughs> Um, so I'd get out there and I remember multiple times making big plays 
on busted plays because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And in six-man football as a quarterback, you can't break the line of scrimmage as a runner unless the ball is thrown back to you because it's six-man football, right? And sure. it's just all offense. There's a 45-point rule. We have a 45-point rule at Idalia in the semifinals to state to go to the state championship my junior year. Um, and, and, you know, that, that means you're ahead by 45 points. They just call the game. Wow. So, you know, obviously lots of offense, lots of scoring, but I remember just, you know, scrambling, running around, keeping plays alive, not remembering the playbook. <laughs> kind, of, and, uh, kind of like the Mahomes yeah. before the, uh, or the Tim Tebow kind of a thing, right? Uh, on the Elway, you know, that's what Coach Hodson always said. He's like, you're like John Elway. That's Except funny. you don't know the plays. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll take that. And that's funny. And you know what, sidebar, I got to tell you uh, personally again, I was so proud of you, my friend, because I remember the day I was uh, working in the warehouse. I own Big Top Collectibles. And I was working on my Star Wars toys and inventory and invoicing and shipping and everything under the sun. And I listened to, you know, the fan all the time. And you were on, they were interviewing you. And uh, it was when Big Al was still on there with DMAC. And Big Al was ribbing you. But it was so funny because we were all so proud of you because they played it over and over and over the soundbite in which you were interviewing John Elway, you were like at the press packet or something and you would ask mm-hmm. Elway a question. I even forget what the actual question was, but the soundbite that kept playing over and over. And I was just screaming like, go Cecil was, it was when John himself, John freaking Elway, my favorite quarterback, even over Brady, but John Elway was explain, started to explain, give you the answer. And then he said, well, you know, this Cecil, that when the blah, yeah, blah, blah, you got blah, blah, a Y and you got an F. It was Jake Clutt's rookie year, and I had, it was the pre-draft press conference, my favorite press conference with Elway, because we just about the draft. So I asked him about the tight end class, and would you double dip? Would you actually take two tight ends that year? And that's why – that's actually my ringtone. Oh, uh, Elway saying, <laughs> well, Yes! So yeah. proud and happy, dude, dude. That would be like George Lucas going, well, you know this, Carlos. Like, I'm like, Well, and I always think of my grandmother, too, because she'd watch oh. Broncos football. She loved John Elway, and she'd scream, go, Johnny, go. So every time I talk to John, the fact that John likes me and knows me and all these sorts of things, I just, it's a great tribute to my grandmother, who I love dearly, and obviously, again, was the biggest Broncos fan I've ever known. That is, that is crazy because, again, I just – I about fell off my chair when, you know, I always like, well, you know this, Cecil. And I was like, no <laughs> way. Like, holy cow, man. That would be my ringtone also. Do you remember – when did you know, Cecil, when you wanted to turn it into an actual career? Like, when was this viable? When did you actually think you had a shot at this? Or was it just pie in the sky and you – how did that happen? Well, it's funny because – was working at a machine shop with our mutual friend Kelly because I was a landscaper when my wife and I first moved to Denver I'm a farmer right I didn't graduate college I went to one year community college up in Cheyenne L triple C what's up and it's (laughs) funny now when I run into people they're like I went to Syracuse where'd you go and I say last chance cowboy college and they think it's like a real cowboy college because it's in Cheyenne. I was like, no, I studied art. You should anyway, see the so grin like, on. You should see the grin on Tim's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, we'd moved to Denver as a landscaper. Snow hits. You're not cutting any grass. And I remember Kelly saying, like, hey, there's this machine shop. They make firefighting equipment. He had a job there. He's like, come work, and you know, you can just get out of the weather and all that kind of stuff. And I think it was eight bucks an hour. This was the year 2000. So I get the job at the machine shop and I listen to sports radio when I was riding a tractor back home. You know what I mean? Well, we grew up listening to Paul Harvey and K how in the morning or KOA in the morning. You know what I mean? So on the ranch, when you're getting ready to go to work, 
you're listening to, to radio, you're listening to talk radio and, and then sports radio. Like for me, um, like Jim Rome, you know, riding around driving a tractor or swapping hay and I'm sitting there listening to Jim Rome and cracking hey. up and all those sorts of things. Hey, so brother, <laughs> right. And, and I had called in like after I got the job at the machine shop and you just stand there running a machine all day and, you know, making parts. I, I would sometimes call into Jim Rome, stay on hold for an hour or two just to get on for 30 seconds so he could run me. Whoa. I actually got a couple of calls, huge calls of the day, which is when he replays your call at the end of the show. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was a public speaker in FFA, um, you know, so as I was a silver award creed speaker, although I should have won gold in state uh, when I was a freshman in Future Farmers of America. So I was very comfortable talking. Um, you know, I got the gift of gab. Obviously, love football. I've been playing fantasy football at that time for you know, seven years. And so I know all the backups of the backups of the backups. And I listened to John Regal on the fan. If you guys remember him, um, he, he knew guys back to high school, wow. right? So just listen, listen, listen all the time, just absorbing information. Cause you're, you know, your brain's off and you're sitting there making parts. Of course, we're working with a big, huge machine. Your brain probably shouldn't be off. But anyway, <laughs> so I remember one time my best friend, Biggie, he was up in Fort Collins. He was a landscaper and he heard me on the radio. And I remember that day I called into Mark Schlereth and Mark Schlereth kept me on for 20 minutes as a caller. You know, that's very rare. Callers are on for 90 seconds. Yeah. If that. He kept me on for, he kept me on for 20 minutes and I was on my lunch break. So I was all worried I was going to get in trouble because I was going back to work late, but I was just in the office talking to Mark Schlereth. We're talking about fantasy football and Musa Smith, right? And the backup to Jamal Lewis at the time. So anyway, I go back to work. I'm all nervous. I'm getting, you know, catching up on my parts. And I was driving home, and Big E called me, and he's like, I heard you on the radio. It sounded really good. I was like, thanks, man. And he said, the caller behind you said uh, you were good, too, and they should hire you. And I have oh. a tremendous ego for <laughs> no reason, but I was like, of course they should hire me. And so I went home. I remember I went home, and I told Stacy, I said, um, you know, hey, the guy behind me said they should hire me. I'm going to email the producer. Because, and the exact words I used were, I'm not interviewing Peyton Manning today, so if I ask and the answer's still no, what does it hurt? You know, I'm still going to work tomorrow. Right. So I emailed the producer, who happened to be Andy Lindahl, now a drive-time host on Altitude Sports, and dear, dear friend of mine. So I emailed Andy. I said, hey, man, I just want to, I love talking football with Stink. Can I jump on with you guys once a week, talk football? I don't want any money. You know, I don't, don't need to promote any sort of thing. I wasn't working for football guys yet. And he emailed me back, and the next Friday and every Friday thereafter in football season, I was on with Stink for an hour. Dude. And I would, I would take a break and go to the machine shop office. I would do the show. It was Drive Time Sports on 760 The Zone with Mark Schlereth and David Diaz-Infante, and that was my in. And once I got in and I realized this is something I could do, then that's all I wanted to do. Um, and this was 2003. So 2003, I get a job writing for FF Advisor. It was misspelled. So anyway, uh, it's not around anymore. But I got a job because I was bragging to people on a message board at Football Guys that I got a job. You know, I was talking <laughs> on the radio. This is when message board cred was like the biggest thing ever. Yes, yes. So anyway, so I, I get that job. I start writing. I get a couple other writing gigs, writing for a magazine, you know, getting paid like 100 bucks, whatever. I work for the radio for essentially KOA uh, for four years, no pay. Wow. 
Um, maybe some gift cards once in a while, maybe, but most of the time it's like, hey, we can't give you anything. And I was like, fine. When Scott Hastings went to the fan in 2007, he said, I got to bring my guy Cecil with me. Oh, and that was my first paid radio gig was to be on Scott Now's show. Um, it was just like, again, it was like an hour a week. Um, but, you know, I, it was my first time. I was like reading Sprint commercials, I remember. It was like the greatest thing ever. And I got paid like 25 bucks to read the Sprint commercial. Yes, um, yes. And so that was 2007. That's when I said goodbye to the machine shop. Um, and I'd, done, I'd gotten hired by Football Guys in 2005. So I was able to do, you know, a little bit of radio, a little bit of Football Guys. We'd started our podcast, The Audible, which in 2006, which just celebrated our 4,000th episode a month ago. Wow. Um, so, you know, I podcasting before it was even called podcasting. So, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. And I was able to leave the machine shop in 2007 and got my first, you know, paid radio gig that same year as well. So, and that's, you know, the, the humble beginning uh, of, what, of my journey. That's pretty awesome, Cecil. Um, I know Mark pretty well. Um that same time window that you're talking about, Mark, I was actually coaching his son in ninth grade football at Highlands Ranch, Danny. Nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. And so I got to know Mark pretty well because he was actually, as you, as we all know, right, the surgery guy. And so he had his nice big <laughs> giant pantyhose on and he'd come out to practices. And <laughs> and so I got to know him pretty well. But uh, yeah, I remember some of those days for you, uh, you know, where they'd bring you in on a few of those calls and whatnot because I was a big listener of... Uh, talk show as well. But, um, what about, how did you become so, um, you know, when, when was your fascination with like the draft? Um, you know, you're, you're really well known for your analysis of players. Did that come more ahead of your time window when you started uh, making this a full-time thing? Or was this just because of your background with fantasy football? How did the whole thing with, uh, your expertise on the draft come up, come about? Probably John Regal. I would say just because when he was on the fan and, um, you know, we've celebrated our, what, like 25th anniversary now as, as a fan. And I made sure to emphasize during that celebration last year, like just how important John Regal was to me. Um, because like, again, he knew guys back to the high school days and I did dabble in like, okay, break it down high school film. That's a totally different animal. And a lot of those guys don't ever turn into anything. So I was like, well, I'm, you know, for two years, I've pretty much wasted my time keeping track of high school guys. If you draft eligible, I'm going to know your name or some sort of, you know, freshman sensation, watching Trevor Lawrence from day one, those type of things. Um, but it started because of John Regal and just knowing so much about these players. We used to have draft parties, actually miss it. Um, it was, uh, I think my last draft party at my house was Willis McGahee's draft. Um, so no, you just getting the guys together and it's from our fans football league and they're just watching the draft, a couple cold pops and pizza or whatever, just, you know, going back and forth, who are you going to draft? So the draft has always been so big to me and it was always underappreciated, including like the senior bowl. And I remember the first year I went to the shrine game and the senior bowl, Sigmund Bloom, my co-host on the audible, um, that we've done since 2006, he said he went to the shrine game in 2006 and he said, dude, they let anybody like, all you got to do is apply for a badge. And I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a radio guy in Denver. I'm going <laughs> to apply for a badge. And, of course, they do. You know, that's the dirty secret. Anybody can go to the Senior Bowl and get a credential. So just doing that and having that emphasis, I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't – the weird thing about it was I wasn't really following any plan. You know, I wasn't like, I'm going to do this and then that was it. But being that 
nerdy about the draft really set me apart. It set me apart because fantasy football was new anyway. I remember being on with Dave Logan on the zoo back on the KOA days and, you know, telling Dave, like, it's just talk of football, dude. Like fantasy football is not like the super nerd fest and all these sorts of things. I remember explaining fantasy football to Adam Schefter on the air on KOA. And now Schefter's like huge fantasy, just super nerd. But, you know, it was just, it's just talk of football. So the fantasy football set me apart in this market because it was new and I was, you know, the first guy to do it, quote unquote. Um, and then the draft part, again, not by plan, but I was like, I'm the only one from the Denver media going to the senior bowl. I'm the only one going to the Denver media, from the Denver media, going to the Shrine game, going to the Texas Nation game, going to the Players All-Star Classic. And then all of a sudden, by being around people, like my dear friend Russ Landy, who was Dick Vermeil's right-hand man with the Rams back in the day, um, you know, now I'm cool by association, right? Now Marv Levy's talking to me. Now Mike Singletary's talking to me. Now Ozzie Newsom's talking to me. And you're just talking football. You know, there's so many stories where, because I don't ever, like, have a recorder out or, you know, like, let me quote you on this. I just talk to people about football. And I don't like run with the, everything that they tell me. There's a lot of stuff that you just, you don't do that. Other people choose different paths and, you know, will just blab whatever, but that's not me. I just want to hang out with Ozzie Newsom and talk to Paul, right? I don't, I don't, I don't need a quote or anything. I, you know, I, I want to share stories. I want to share ideas. I want to learn basically. There's so much about this game. Talking to Theo Bricado, God rest his soul. He's the guy that created the three cone drill long-time Oilers and Titan scout, and he was so gracious with his time, um, just being able to learn from Mr. Bricado. And, again, I, I remember Patriot scouts didn't talk to me for, like, 10 years. And then <laughs> when, you're, when you're seen, because that's their deal, right? Um, but when you're seen with, I'm with Theo Bricado, I'm with Ozzy News, I'm into, you know, and I'm just cool. I'm not, doing, I'm not reporting, I'm not taking notes or whatever. I'm just sitting there talking. That's what breaks the ice with people in the league. And then you get a good reputation as someone who, you know, is real fun to talk football, really passionate about football, wants to learn more, right? These guys know so much more than I do, so much more than I do. And I'm fascinated at their craftsmanship and just really it's an, it's an art. It's a science and it's an art studying the draft. So that's why it was so important to me, just because I wanted to know more about football. I wanted to know as much about football as I possibly could and that includes guys going back to the draft. And then kind of looking back on it now, it was very advantageous because I was the only one doing it. And now there's others that, you know, do it. And I'll see some guys from the Denver media at the Senior Bowl or whatever. And they're good for them. I'm glad it's become more important. It always was. I got the Senior Bowl on DVD, um, <laughs> like in Philip Rivers' year. You know, when NFL Network started broadcasting the Combine, I was recording it on DVD. Or v VCR, VHS. VHS. When they started broadcasting the Senior Bowl, same thing. And again, not for some master strategy, and I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that, just because I freaking love football. And when I'm into something, like Star Wars, like Shelby, like I am really into it. I, I, I'm an addictive personality that way, so I'm glad I'm not into crack. But, you know, it's like, it's just one of those things. Like, I want, I don't know everything about football, but I want to know everything about football. So the journey and the, the uh, adventure continues. Yeah. I always find it fascinating how open uh, coaches are right. Coming across, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've run across many more uh, college coaches than I have uh, pro coaches, of course, but uh, they're so open and they're so willing to share their 
you know, what they know. And so many are so self-deprecating and, you know, it's always so fascinating to find, uh, you know, the, the characters that are even behind so-called the head coaches, but maybe that's another question for you, Cecil, um, you know, in all your time and interviews and running across people, who are some of like the icons to you, um, whether that be pro football or whatever, but who are some of the coaches that are just, you know, that kind of personality that you really admire and like? Yeah. I remember Ed Ogeron running around the senior ball asking for work. Right. Now think about that now. Yeah, exactly. Wait a second. Guys like the talk of the talk with LSU, but 10 years ago, just trying to get a job. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, Go ahead. Big SEC guy and, uh, you know, just has bounced around and has that mm-hmm. incredible personality. Um, I've met, right. I've met Ed as well long before his LSU and his national championship. But, yeah, isn't that fascinating? Right. Well, and just so, again, giving of his time. It, it's so interesting in this world. And I often tell because I always get the how do I do what you do question. I've answered it a million times. And, you know, I'm, I'm always there to answer questions. Um I always say, just ask, just be cool and ask don't because these guys can pick up when, you know, you want a story or whatever, just talk football and just ask. So all these coaches so very given with their time. I'll say one that I might've messed up is mean Joe green because mean Joe green was a long time scout with the Steelers. And I'm a Steelers fan because I'm the black sheep of my family. And when I grew up poor in the country, you know, everybody's Broncos fan, right? Well, we would go to the dollar store, the secondhand store in Greeley, and no, nobody's turning in their Broncos gear, right? So it was a bunch of 70 Steelers gear. <laughs> so in the 80s, when I'm in high school, I'm wearing like a Lynn Swan jersey, you know what I mean? Right. Or a Franco Harris jersey. He'd been retired for a couple of years. So, like, that's, that's why I was a Steelers fan. And then in the 90s, they were like CU Pittsburgh campus. So I love that because I love CU, love Big Al and all those sorts of things. But I remember Mean Joe Green just talking to him, chopping it up, and I couldn't help myself. I was in the airport in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we were standing in line, you know, waiting to get our – to go through TSA or whatever. And, we, you know, I was one of three media members at the Players' All-Star Classic. Chad Ryder from NFL Network was there, who's kind of the brains behind a lot of NFL Network stuff. Um, just uh, one of my dear, dear friends. And um, – and, uh, who, Wes Bunting from National Football Post. Wes is a preacher now. But anyway, so one of three media members at this all-star game, right? Danny Trevathan was at that game. And so I'm chopping it up. So if you're at this game, you're super serious, right? So scouts, everybody, GMs, whatever, talking, talking. Talking to Mean Joe, and I just had to let him know. I just had to let him know. I was like, you know, Joe, I've never told you this, but, like, I'm a huge Steelers fan, and and I – I think you're the most important Steeler of all time because before you, and I've had this conversation with Jerome Drenovich, you guys will remember from CNN, who's a Steelers fan as well. I was like, everything changed with me, Joe Green. The Steelers were a laughing stock, and then they got me, Joe Green, and they got the birth of the Steel Curtain and became champions. Um, so I had to tell him, like, what a super fan I was. And it's not like he was like ignoring me after that, but it was just kind of a little bit weird, you know, cause we were cool again. I don't, 
And I'm like, hey, Elway, I'm a big super fan. Like, nah, just be cool, right? Right. And that one moment, I couldn't help myself with Mean Joe Green. And then it was like, it was just a little different afterwards because I was like, ah, I'm such a fan. And the Coca-Cola and throwing the jersey. And just, hey, kid, catch. You know, like, that's what we all wanted to be, right? Where Whoever the player was. Maybe it was Tommy Jackson. Maybe it was Walter Payton. Maybe it was Mean Joe Green. But we all wanted to be that kid. Hey, kid, catch and catch the jersey. Um, so, yeah, I mean – Ted Thompson, God rest his soul. Um, we would race to see who could get coffee first before me and Ozzie Newsom and Ted Thompson, Russ Landy, these type of people would race to be first at the weigh-in, you know, and these are at, again, El Paso and Little Rock, Arkansas. This isn't at the senior bowl. Everybody's at the senior bowl. Right. Um, and now more people are at the senior bowl. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. This year was a little better because it was dialed back due to the pandemic, but either way, like, I just, so, you know, hamming it up with Bill Belichick. The dude's a card. People don't think that. Really? Uh, but I know Michael Lombardi a little bit, and I knew Josh McDaniels from his time coaching here, and I remember seeing Michael and Josh sitting with Bill at Shula's at the Combine. You know, this is like, I don't know, seven years ago or, five, you know, six years ago, whatever the number is, um, and just, you know, going over to introduce myself and then just – listen to the Belichick, just chop it up, like wow. ham it up. And he, and Michael's told me like, that's just who he is. He's, he puts on a front for everybody, but yeah. behind the scenes, listen to the Cam Newton interview from like a week ago, like Bill Belichick's a baller when yeah. it comes to being a history and knowledge and personality. So, uh, so many stories I keep talking and talking and talking forever, but yeah, those are just a few off the top of my head. Yeah. Carlos and I, I remember, uh, we were talking to Chad Brown and, uh, Chad obviously played for Belichick and he, he kind of echoed yep. that same thing that the personality that the majority of people see is very different than others. Well, actually, and I got to interrupt you really quick, Tim, because you're, you're forgetting the greatest point. And I was going to tell, I told my wife this question last night. So I'm like, I'm going to talk to Cecil tomorrow and I'm going to tell him this and Sarah laughs. So when Sarah laughs, right, you got a life. So I got to, I got to tell you this, Cecil. So you worked with Chad Brown, or you know Chad Brown, and you know he's been in the offices there, and you guys do the radio show and stuff. And I'm like, well, the connection oh, yeah. is the connection to Chad Brown to Tim is Tim made Chad Brown cry, <laughs> 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 like the poor, like he literally. But this is a beautiful story. This isn't like a teasing, like you're ugly or something, or you're a mama joke or anything. We were at a Highland Hills High Five uh, benefit that my wife would help them put on, you know, every year, and Tim came as our one of our guests and stuff and chad brown was one of the speakers we've had dmac speak and blah 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 and i remember sarah would always ask me like who can we get and i wanted to get you i wanted to try to get dmac and i got chad brown and chad brown like answered the call or something and chad brown came to that uh benefit dinner and was doing a great speech and then he was like any questions and then tim asked him one question and he gulped swelled up tear down to just a little ooh, ooh. you're embellishing a little i think yeah me I, I don't think Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> he cried and you so before you tell the chad brown thing do you remember the question you asked him that got to chad well i i you know it, it's sort of a similar question i think that i just asked um cecil in the sense that you know who who was impactful in in his life and i, I was looking at it from obviously a coaching point of view and um, I, I do remember him obviously talking a lot about Belichick and Cower, but yeah, he, he definitely welled up when he started talking about his high school football coach and, you know, being mm -hmm. a high school football coach, I think many of us, uh, you know, Cecil was talking about some of the uh, 
fun times that he had with his and playing that a six man and running around and breaking loose. But uh, I, I think many people have a lot of those uh, emotional stories and certainly Chad, that was, that was, that was fun to, fun to watch, uh, you know, a, oh, a yeah. talk show guy. That was a little great. welly. It was great because yeah, everyone was asking him like, you know, what's your favorite color? Or like, do you like the Patriots more? And you know, and he was shooting them down and he was answering it. And then all of a sudden you asked in that stoic, great voice of yours. And he just, he like looked at you. And then he kind of like was like, "Uh oh, here it comes!" And that we were like, "Did Tim just break Chad Brown? <laughs> Did you?" But it was it was a it was a great thing with that. That that was that was a great. Those are thing. always the best stories too. I remember I at the combine, Marshawn Lattimore came out. You guys remember remember him uh, running back at NC State, top of my head, and he had shredded his knee after his freshman season. Like oh. he was a freshman phenom. He's one of those players that you should have. And very, very few, I've talked to Chris Mortensen about this, like very few players, Marcus Dupree, Adrian Peterson, DJ Williams, and maybe that's it. That could have gone from high school to the pros. And Lattimore was one of those guys. And then sophomore shreds his knee, junior shreds his other knee. Oh. And then he's coming out in the combine. And Gil Brandt's like, help me. And he was even on crutches. And I asked him a similar question because those are always the greatest questions, right? At the combine, which is di- more difficult to get into than the Super Bowl, by the way, um, the combine, you get, uh, you know, did you talk to the Jets for a zillion times? Like, what do you expect to run in the 40? You know, like you get all of these sorts of questions. Just a god-awful question. I love to ask about who motivated you. The spotlight's on you right now, but turn it around. Let's talk about it. And I made Marshawn cry, um, not on purpose, obviously, but he was talking about his mother, you know, and just how he was trying to make her to the pros so he could get her a house and all these sorts of things. I remember Gil Brandt came up to me afterwards. This is a godfather of scouting, right? And he was like, Cecil, that's one of the best questions I've ever heard here. I'm getting chills just telling the story right now. I mean, it, because it's, it's glory to the players, glory to the game. This has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with the media or whatever. This has to do with that. How do you do that? Wow. How can you do that? What got you to do that? Who helped you to do that? Because doing that is what, one percent of the global population can do less than one percent half of a tenth of a percent whatever the number is like <laughs> it's glory to the players glory to the game and and i think if more people because it's such a me 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 time anyway and social networking and look at me and blah 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 right. like i think if more people just reflected on the human side because especially football where you wear a helmet so you know people think oh this guy is a millionaire or whatever like you don't see the pain you know, Jerome Bettis can't go downstairs, right? Like you, John Elway can't really walk. Um, you know, Mark Slareth had 36 surgeries or whatever the number is. Like uh, might be missing a couple of surgeries there. But like wow. when you understand the human side, it makes this game even more fascinating than it already is. Wow. Makes it the greatest game as a result, I think. That is just fantastic, mm-hmm. and, and that's fantastic. And, and uh, we could either, uh, you know, wrap up or we can keep going. It's up to you guys. Tim, you got any more questions for Cecil? Because this is great stuff. And like I said, I, I love to listen to him talk because these stories are great, and I listen to your football stories. Uh, got any story you want to share with Cecil? Or uh, You know, maybe I'll, I'll touch on uh, just, I guess, wrapping up in, in some ways, but um, th- that whole – point of the game and its greatness and you know I think a lot of people miss the that they don't understand the history of where the game the game has come from and that's always one of the fascinating things both players as well as coaches and 
across the ages is that human element, the emotional element, um, just those stories of, you know, especially at the highest level, how grueling and difficult and, you know, there's so many great players that didn't be able to become great because they had to sacrifice in their earlier years, right? Their injuries, whatever they might be. Um, you know, other, do you have any other history or stories of any other, um, you know, individuals that would, would be of interest that, um, maybe face some of those same situations? Yeah. And I, I would say this maybe, uh, because I have innumerable stories in terms of, you know, how guys got to where they are. It's just so fascinating but I would also, you know, really like to strongly emphasize this for all of us, right? Because I remember buying Star Wars figures from Carlos out of your apartment. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? Like, yep. and, and then to see how your business and how your life has changed because of your passion. I think so many of us are often told we can't do something or, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, for being an artist, you're always told like, how are you going to make any money? <laughs> And, um, you know, I remember I wanted to be a comic book artist back when I was in the college age and, you know, my dad would be like, are you going to make any money? And then when Todd McFarlane, who's my favorite artist of all time, bought the Barry Bonds and the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa baseballs for like 3 million. Right. And then I remember dad like reading it in the newspaper and then like, Hey, that Todd McFarlane guy, that's your guy. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, dad, no kidding. Those guys back then, by the way, like Steven Platt, not to say that I'm on the level of Stephen Platt or Rob Liefeld or whatever, but those guys sure. were the artists were making like 50 grand a month. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so there was, there was plenty of money to, to go around. But, and now as someone who has an independently published comic book, who has multiple treatments, who has ideas and, you know, pitch videos and has dreams of, you know, landing some of my stories with Hollywood somehow, some way, um, and having connections to be able to do that and hopefully having the stories and all that to do that as well. I'd say just go for it. Like whatever you want to do in life, we're often so many of us are put in a position of like, well, this is all I'll ever be. Right. No, it's not. You're the one putting limitations on yourself. Uh, too many times it was, oh, it's my dad's fault or it's my mom's fault or it's my boss's fault or it's my coach's fault. Right. Um, you know, and, and again, speaking about a high school coach, just how impactful that you can be on a young life and both positively and negatively. Um, I know a lot of my stories have to boil back to my high school coach, both good and bad, because we didn't get along. And now he like tells everybody, you know, I was his favorite, whatever. I'm like, no, we didn't. <laughs> he like didn't like me. Um, so, but it, it also motivated me in a, in a different way. Cause I never wanted coach Hodgson, sorry, rock to, to be right about me. You know, I, I never wanted, cause he thought as crazy I get, as I get on the football field or on the basketball court, he's like, Oh, Steve is on drugs. And I'm like, Nope, never touched it. Never, right. never will. Not because I have this, you know, I'm better than anybody. Cause I'm not, or I have this like super straight arrow opinion about stuff. Cause I don't. Uh, it's just because I don't want him to be right about me. So that's why, like, one of the reasons why I've never done drugs, never done marijuana, and all the, you know, and, you know, that's so tame today and legal now. Right. Um, you know, so I, I just think, I think just be passionate, whatever your passion is, if your passion's football, if your passion's Star Wars, if your passion's comic books, 
um, just go for it and, you know, try to find a way. And just that journey, the journey of whatever this all is, right? Correct. That's the fun part of it. That's, that's our eternity, right, where we get to live within this moment. This moment right now is eternity. We always think of eternity as like forever and ever and ever and on and on from here and here. No, this moment exactly now is that. So whatever your passion is, go for it. Because whatever happens with my comic book properties, I've created and I've made a product. I've made story. We're going to a universe with 150 characters. Like that has been created and it brings me so much joy. I look at my bookshelf right now and I have Bill Belichick's dad's a football scouting book right next to the Overstreet price guide for <laughs> comics right next to a Star Wars book that I had in grade school. And uh, in my hand right now, I'm looking at a Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms comic book that I'm reading because wow. it was the only time there's only been one appearance, yep. super nerd alert here. Yep. There's only been one appearance where the kids from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon actually made it into actual Dungeons and Dragons lore. And it's in this comic book that I'm holding. I only learned that through a YouTube video on toy galaxy, <laughs> watching the old, uh, you know, reliving the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which I loved. And then they didn't do anything with those characters. Right. Um, one of the treatments that I've written is a black star spec. And if you know who black star is, you were a kid in the eighties. Cause it was for one season around the time of He-Man and right. around the time of Thundar there was one season of Black Star, 13 episodes. And then not, and Universal, who owns the rights now, has done nothing with that right. property. Right. So I've written a treatment and, you know, that, whatever that happens with that. I got great joy from writing my own Black Star story. So, again, you know, pursue your passion. Go for it. Dream big. Don't dream small. Dream big. And then go for it and turn your thoughts into reality. And you don't do that just by thinking it, right? A lot of people say, oh, well, you just can't think something into existence. Yeah, you can. But it also takes great time and dedication and persistence, right? I don't become a quote-unquote fantasy football expert just because I wanted to. It's because that's it, – it, it ate at me so much I couldn't not be this. You know what I mean? Like – Creating comic books, it ate at me so much I could not create or draw or write or talk about football. Have that sort of passion about whatever you want to do, and then don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Absolutely, man. Nice. That's awesome, dude. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me give you some applause there. That's been Cecil Lammy giving us his take on his backstory and football in general. And also some aspiring words, dude. Like, uh, I can't wait to listen back to this. And thank you for your time. I know your time. You're a busy guy. So I really appreciate it, my friend. I really thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks a lot, Cecil. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Cool, Cecil. I'll get back in touch with you uh, pretty quick. Sounds good. Okay, take care, man. Bye. See ya. Okay, so that was Cecil, man. That was... Dude, that was some good stuff, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, we yeah. Uh, were all over the board. Uh, really fascinating to, uh, you know, kind of hear his backstories and where it took us and uh, can't echo enough about uh, following your passions. Um, you know, obviously he was able to do that. It took him several years to make it into a paying paying position, so to speak. But wow. now he gets to do he gets to do one of, sounds like, numerous passions um, in his life, but... 
I think you you echo that too. Um, Absolutely, you know, I, I, I've always 100%. I've always appreciated how you uh, you <laughs> took a road less traveled for sure. Anything else? We're right at the hour mark. See how quick that goes. Hey, that was that was a lot of fun. That appreciate was that, that was Carlos. awesome. Got anything else to add? No, not at this time. Awesome. That is so cool, guys. I can't wait to talk more football with Tim and Cecil. And this has been so fun. And thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I can't wait to upload this and have my family and friends listen to this episode. Uh, This has been Carlos um, from my chair. And this has been with Tim Harrington and Cecil Lammy. And check us out. We have new episodes dropping every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Please sit please subscribe and make sure you hit the notification bell so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks so much, guys. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya.